This is part two of two of our conversation. Um, you know, we touch a little bit on COVID-19 um, in this wrap-up conversation, but we try to, to try it and tie it all back together with the overall theme of the Teenage Nation. Um, and hope you heard the first part last week. But if not, this conversation, as always, will stand on its own. Thanks very much for listening. So instead of interviewing someone like Ken Bone, we -hmm. should be interviewing some, you know, the red sweater guy who was like, I don't know, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump. ah, But they do those pieces, though. They do those pieces. You mean like the Post or um, the Times? No, no, no. I mean, specifically the the last election, a presidential election, there was a lot of coverage of this guy named Ken Bone. The guy uh, who was the yeah. red sweater guy. Oh, red sweater guy. guy. Yeah, they, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Talking about like how he was undecided and why. And and that coverage I thought was deeply stupid. I mean, it was almost as stupid as the coverage <laughs> around his emails. But um, Was it stupid because he was undecided? No, no. It was stupid because they were treating Ken mm. Bone as if he were the sort of... Um, the sort of uh, what's the he was it? a stand-in for Ex- a kind of right, for, for all yeah. the voters, mm-hmm. right? Like so, we're all well, for, kind undeci- of, for all the undecided voters. Yeah, right? for, yeah, we're all kind of confused. We don't get it. Like, why they're they're, they're very similar. Like, but that, isn't that a significant but, portion of the? I mean, so was it stupid? But, but, but it's a stupid position. Given, I mean, given I, okay, all so, that we knew, uh, all, it's not the media. The then it's the I fact know, that they so, gave so him that shot, platform. So it is about the fact that he was an undecided voter. That's what I'm saying. Like it was the fact that he did not see that it was patently obvious Hillary Clinton was the better choice. <laughs> yeah, but and also that we liked the dithering. Right, so we so mm. this part of like okay, it that, rom- that seems like a more fair a more fair, fair critique. Okay, yeah. okay. I, I get I get th- I hear that yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. About like that, that was I, attractive in some ways to people. Like oh yeah, we how can you possibly know? It's so confusing. Like no, mm. well they didn't get anyone who was really talking about anything and substance. The stuff that I saw him do, he just wasn't really right. saying much. It was just right. like yeah. we got it. You're you're. You're not even backing up what you're saying with, yeah. this yeah, is yeah, why yeah. I feel this way, this is why I feel this way about this candidate. No, it's just, I'm undecided. I was like, well, let's just, what, what's your favorite ice cream? Because you don't have anything else to say. <laughs> which is, which is somebody who might be a little bit more ideologically right. um, grounded in what, yes. what he or she yes. or they are interested in and say, yes. this is why I'm confused. I really don't like women. <laughs> right. I would like uh, so can uh, someone please uh, find that guy. Find the guy who says I, think I really have a period no, no, she's right. an I don't like women. She'll, she'll be the audit office on her period. Right. No, no, it would be, mention the cramps. Be, We'd go to yeah. war, you know. Right. No one's going to say that. No, no, he would but, say you know I don't like women. Well, no, no, wait. I like women. Right. But I just don't like women and that you know that's right. you know it would right. be that but kind of I don't response. Like that right. I don't like uh, nasty women. That's all. Just yeah. nasty women. Right. I don't like that. And so right. where do you get your information from? Like, I don't recall seeing any article or watching anything with Ken Bone where someone was kind of pointedly asking him, well, where do you get, where do you, what are you reading? What are you, what are you consuming? Right. right. They were just yeah. like, he was just Joe Blow on the street and it was just like a, a one-off that became popular. And it's easier to focus on the Ken Bone than it is on the issues. It really is. I mean, yeah. Hillary was very convinced that she was going to get it. <laughs> and all of us were like, November 4th or whatever. We're going, what? Yeah. What happened? Did I wake up yeah. in a different timeline? What's going yeah, on here? I, I mean, obviously, you know, the, you know clearly, well, you don't have to go too far down that road, but clearly the election could have turned out differently. It was a very it was incredibly mm-hmm. close. 
Um, she won the popular, the popular vote. Yeah, mm-hmm. by by a real margin. Uh, Serious millions, margin. millions, a handful Million, of votes right? <laughs> in a handful of states, uh, and Hillary is Hillary and progressives are somewhat to blame for that. I mean, she what she did take things for granted. She yeah, agreed. somewhat to blame, did. or you mean like agreed. what do you mean by that? Because I do uh, like the nuance take, you, uh, but sometimes. I, I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm just thinking that sometimes I was wondering if. When people blame other people for, like, I want to know what it is because my critique okay, so of I'll, the, I'll, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll give you, I'll give you an EG example for Obama, who I, um, I think Obama was a very good president um, for a number of reasons that I would be happy to articulate if I was talking to someone about it, very specific, concrete reasons. But, but I, I know Stephen that you disagree with this on some in, in oh we can talk about certain, it later yeah yeah right. no I know around certain mm-hmm. specific things but I'm saying it's not I'm not just uh, gesturing to it like I, I actually mm-hmm. think he was a good president for a number of concrete reasons. However, I feel like there was absolutely a kind of disdain from both himself and his ilk, other intellectual elites mm-hmm. around the opposing party's governing philosophy and to the point where even to describe it as the opposing party's governing philosophy people would feel is too generous so to say you know as if Mm -hmm. to suggest republicans have a governing philosophy when of course they in fact do have a governing philosophy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and 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 one could argue they've executed it quite well because if trump is a one-term president they managed to fill the federal judiciary with court picks, and they oh, managed yeah. to get oh, yeah. three conservative picks on the Supreme Court. So their governing philosophy is doing quite well. Thank you very much. Like they, 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 they made their deal with the devil, and they are getting they're getting their due. No, now they're, on, they're definitely on brand. So my question for you, you then would well, be: Was it hubris, arrogance? Like, what did you you feel like people just missed? So An opportunity it is, it to is, really talk to Joe it is Plummer? arrogance. No, okay. it's, no, it is arrogance. It's it's around, but it was it was around Obama making a joke at the correspondence dinner. Like everyone's talking to me about, have a beer with Mitch McConnell. Have a beer with Mitch McConnell. You have a beer with Mitch McConnell. Like you know, as if to say, like, why would I waste my time having a beer with Mitch McConnell? But he was right. No, he's he's <laughs> so, he's not. He's not right. He's completely right. He's not right, right because that he is the he is the majority leader of the Senate. It doesn't matter. I mean, he's not holding a gun. He's not your enemy on the other side of a battlefield. He might be your enemy in an ideological war. I will mm-hmm, grant mm-hmm. you that. But this is what our government is. It is it is oppositional by nature. And and to say that you should not have a casual human conversation with that person mm-hmm, or to mm-hmm. say that to dismiss all of a portion of the country clinging to their guns and religion is not is is the height of arrogance okay so i i i'm i really really want to take issue with this but i'm i'm mindful that we've Gone rather far afield from the topic, the ostensible topic, which uh, so is. I don't which think is, we have. Which is, I don't think we have. I is, think we're on point still. And, no, 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 I'm saying, please, no, uh, say your point. Say your heart. <laughs> give, give me your 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 rebuttal, because because what I'm saying is that the 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 intelligentsia has itself been adolescent and disdainful That's what I of what saying, is yeah. of what is an mm. actual legitimate argument from the right. 
And both sides play politics and need votes. And so both sides, you know, hope, you know, uh, change or hope or ch- whatever Obama's slogan was like was all hope. of them. You mm-hmm. yeah, all of them use low hanging fruit to yeah. convince their constituency to vote for them. What Both was the, the right, right about, the though? Right. Earlier, you said the right, they're ignoring something that the right is completely right about in terms of... Oh, oh no, not completely right, but I'm saying that they're... So a robust foreign policy, an mm. aggressive, robust foreign policy, as complicated and ugly as that might be, absolutely pays not just sort of selfish benefits for the country, but benefits many aspects of international relations in general. The Paris Accords would have never happened if it was not for an aggressive U.S. foreign policy. Mm. Obama would not have been able to arm twist the countries necessary because Xi Jinping was against the Paris Accords initially. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He would not have been able to arm twist the countries necessary to join the Paris Accords if it was not for American military, cultural, and economic might. So there's actual positive things can come from American, like, hard and soft international power. And Republicans' sort of championing of that is legitimate. They're championing of, um, or their defense of Israel in general, which used to be a bipartisan issue. We may not like, we, we may not like Netanyahu. I don't like Netanyahu, but we we shouldn't forget that the Holocaust was 60 years, 70 years ago. 70. That's yeah. this generation. Yeah, if, but, it doesn't, we, but that doesn't permit Israel to turn around and create commission, uh, conditions of apartheid in the West Bank. Uh, um, absolutely. With Palestinians. That's just, it's absolutely. just... Except that one party is not to blame for that. Arafat himself was complicit in not being able to reach a deal with the Israeli government. Agreed. Agreed. I know that. I know that. But but wait, we're gone again. I want to I want to rope us back into the original question which was <laughs> how we respond. How whether our responses to the pandemic coming here specifically to the United States was no, we, ad, you, want, ways, you want to zero it on the pandemic. In, so. in one ways was it adolescence and I adolescent and I want to say I want to go back a few months. Remember when mm-hmm. uh, Fauci had just kind of come on the national scene, uh-huh. um, Dr. Anthony Fauci, and Trump initially was quite excited to have this person who was clearly level-headed and uh-huh. knew how <laughs> to uh, handle himself uh, on the national stage and talk about the sort of moves that needed to be made by at the federal level um, mm-hmm. in a way that was really comprehensible to people. And then uh, at some point, Trump went off on one of his tangents and said, blah, 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 hydroxychloroquine. Is that how it is? Chloroquine. That? Chloroquine, Hydroxychloroquine. Right, right. Mm-hmm. and said that, oh, yeah, this might be the miracle drug. I've heard that, blah, 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 blah. Now, the way the media handled this, I thought, was really ham-fisted because mm-hmm. part what we did was chase down part of what the media seemed to do was like kind of say, Oh my God, like this is really possible. Here's the president saying that, you know, this might be the miracle drug and spending a re- a lot of time chasing down whether this was um, anything viable to treat people. And it just felt like to me, like that story should have been on, on sort of on our radars for maybe two days. 
It should have maybe taken two days for us to say, this is stupid. This, this, the, the clinical trials are, are, are absolutely not conclusively showing that this will uh-huh, help anyone uh-huh. who's contracted the disease. Um, let's move on. But that didn't happen. We were, but you're our, our, asking for something in an environment that I think is really interesting. The glut of media that we have out there mm-hmm. yeah, and, and the, the repetition you know, mm, <laughs> I think mm. about the old days where Associated Press, you'd read a newspaper or you read a magazine, you're like, oh, I read this before. Oh, no, mm. it's just here. <laughs> right. And now I think about how quickly that kind of information Repetition. gets around yeah. and the ideological sides fighting over yes, no. And then the uh, the tricksters who are just putting that shit out because it's money. Mm. It's clicks. Mm. You know, so I agree with you. It shouldn't have lasted too long. But the media, the general, I want to be more specific. I would say the general media is just more interested in clicks than anything. Other, anything. So mm. it doesn't matter. They've got to fill this 24-hour news cycle that mm. really honestly should just be not 24 news. 24 mm. hour news. So, mm. so if, I can, if I can pick up on what uh, – I appreciate Seth bringing us back to the, the topic. Mm. But the only thing I would like to – and I don't want to fully revisit the, the tangent because mm. I do agree that could get pretty far afield mm. – but is that, you know, so we did talk about COVID-19 and you know, sort of what what we have our sort of positions on that and around its kind of general adolescent response. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we are coming to the end of our discussion of Teenage Nation. Mm-hmm. And so I think yes. I think it's fair game to sort of expand that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. and so in the hydroxychloroquine example is a good one. I think, you know, th- that story should have been. What does the data say? Right. <laughs> right. What, you know, right. The data says inconclusive. Right. Next oh, story. Right. right. <laughs> Let's move on. You know, that, that, that should have been the story. And right. I think Stephen's observation about clicks, I mean, there's clearly a, a – there's a profit motive alive mm-hmm. and active mm-hmm. in, uh, in mainstream media, legacy media. And there's a profit motive alive and well, and you know, in sort of the the conservative media, you know, mm-hmm. Fox Media, things like that, Breitbart, etc. Mm-hmm. So, in a, of course, that absolutely is consequential and cannot be pulled apart from can't be pulled apart from the kind of coverage that is received. Mm-hmm. But our collective responses mm-hmm. and our unshakable positions and mm. our inability to imagine that the other side has a point of view that is not totally batshit crazy mm. is is a clear indication of our lack of seriousness right now in the United States mm. of America like I, it just we have had moments of seriousness in our history, mm-hmm. and we have had moments of rising to the occasion, the civil rights movement. And, you know, I mean, there there are a number – and uh, quite honestly, uh, marginalized communities are often, are often the bastions of that more serious thinking. Like, mm. no, you need to stop mm. living in your fantasy land and look at the fact that you are not living up to your principles. We are not mm-hmm. treating men and women as if they are created equal men, I guess, in the original imagination. But, you know, so, but right now, you, I feel like that is dying on the vine. Mm. Like I, I just, I really yearn for the space in public discourse mm-hmm. where, where people can take ideas 
and one another and opposing ideas seriously mm-hmm, when they mm-hmm. should be taken seriously. Mm. And that is far more often than they are taken. Mm. I've, I agree with that. I agree. Cause I think it, you, so it's interesting because I think that public discourse as it stands, doesn't allow for a certain kind of, let me get back with you. Let me think about that. <laughs> You have yeah. to have an answer, right? So I'm thinking about yeah. the structure, and I'm also thinking about what I feel you um, said, and you, used, you didn't use the word. It illuminated, I think, an issue we've been having for decades. <laughs> and yeah. it's so much easier to say, you're wrong, and I'm right, rather than to go, you know, I can see where you're coming from. How can we do this politic thing, where you get a little bit, mm. I get a little bit, but we all get something, as opposed mm. to raising the um, the farm and killing everybody, because... it's 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 troubling because start over start over but also i think that illuminating of the kind of imagination the lack of imagination and lack of patience and compassion for somebody else right we all know about the kids in cages and it was covered extensively to some degree and it was how it was covered it was like it was very you should care about this and it's like well people do care where does it fall on the list of things that they care about Mm-hmm. And this is why I put where I think about political discourse. I think that some people have already tuned out of the election. I'm sure of it because yeah, for sure that's all right. this information's coming, and they're like, "Well, you know, I got to work, or I got to do this, or I got to do this, or maybe not. Maybe they're just not interested in politics." I know a guy who was a politician and and a a so-called leader of a movement who says he didn't even read. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Why do you get your information? You know, he just knew. Oh, he just, is that what he said? He, he just, just knew? No, no. Wow. Friends of mine heard him say this and one guy just looked at him and another guy just started laughing because they understood his position as uh, stupid. Um, <laughs> but it was also something that he was so like, you know, full of, Pissing vinegar, right? Right. Yeah, I know, yeah. And it was like, don't you know how who I am? And I was like, do you know who you are? <laughs> and so for the next fifteen minutes that we're sitting at this table at this conference, I don't have the need to to talk to you about this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just yeah, going yeah, to go yeah. to this next session. Right. Um, right. So I, I, well, all I want to say is, I think it, what this pandemic has done is illuminated a sort of pouty kind of <clears throat> that's always been there, mm-hmm. but kind of heightened it. Because now we're we're being called to think about really hard things about the mask issue, about the not mask issue, definitely about you know the bottom line. Do I eat? And mm-hmm. I, I need to work, and I can't work with blah 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 blah. I've lost my job. Mm-hmm. This is a lot of car crashes, but it really I think people should meditate more and back away <laughs> from things and then decide if. Because people tell you who they are and people tell you what they believe in immediately almost, I think, mm. um, when it comes to their beliefs. And also the loudest people are barking are the people who have, at times don't ha- haven't done the work. Mm. I know. They just want to be right. So if you just yeah. want to be right, you cannot change. And mm-hmm. guess what? Change is always going to come. Mm-hmm. Always, always motherfucking going to come. Where do you want to land? Do you want to live with your neighbors or do you want to sit there in your window with a go- shotgun? Mm. And I think people would rather... I don't know. Not rather do that. I wouldn't say that. I, I think. I think. That. I there think are some people that want to do that. Yeah, some people, on that. Well, yeah, some people want to do that. No, do that. I wasn't going to. I was trying to go a little bit more, less large, and go more specific. I yeah. honestly believe people do want to get along. Yeah, but maybe they don't show up fully embodied to really take in what that means. That means being uncomfortable. It means being um, vulnerable. It means all these different mm. things that you know. I'm good. 
I'm good. Like, remember, you don't sound so, good. Yeah. Remember, remember, we actually had this conversation a bit when we were talking about fathers, mm. and we mm. were we mm. were saying to each other, um, you, Stephen, you said something really profound that stayed with me. You said, um, you know, there's a there's a way in which the the question to ask a father is, where does it hurt? Like to get mm. at to get at mm. to get to, to sort of get at that dangling thread of masculinity and and. Uh-huh. and, and, and yeah, and yeah. This, maybe unravel it a little, pull on it enough to unravel the skein a little bit. And I said, mm. yeah, but at what point do we get to ask, ask that question? Like, where, where, what's the context? Mm. If it's outside of the therapeutic situation, then where's that quiet moment where you do get to ask a man where, where, where does it hurt? And, and, and I'm thinking of it now, like, where's the moment where publicly we get to say to people, Within within mm-hmm. these overlapping crises, right? The pandemic, the mm-hmm. the crisis of of um, uh, the constitutional crisis that's coming, the crisis of um, black people being um, seemingly arbitrarily killed by officers of the state. Um, with all these overlapping crises, what at what point? And and maybe the media. This is something that needs to happen in our legacy and new media. Is we need to have people who are empowered to able to say, okay, where does it hurt, and have that kind of conversation in a way that is not, you know, not Doctor Phil, not 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 mm-hmm. not not trying to um, not trying to publicize people's business in order to like. You know, yeah. Intrigue, or, not to exploit or, 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 it. Yeah, yeah right, right. Yeah, but right. but in a way that like where we can ask the question in such a genuine way that we can begin to connect the dots mm-hmm. between our rhetoric and our deep seated politics and mm-hmm. um, and the the what needs to be a national effort to actually get past these crises. Agreed. Agreed, and I think that's why why the din is so yeah resonant because mm-hmm. with the noise you can just operate out of the noise. You, when it's quiet, and you're left yeah, with your little self, mm-hmm. who are you? You know, you know. I, two things occurred to me. One, one is a solution, and two is why the solution just is not available to us right now. One, mm-hmm. you know, I remember the specific details of it. I'm not going to recall very well, but I can give you the broad strokes of a study where they put people about how to persuade people of various opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and basically the ideological and spatial composition of the room helps determine whether people can reach agreement or accord. Meaning that if you have people arrayed in a room, test subjects in a room around any particular issue, and you've got mm-hmm. people on the ideological left and people on the ideological right, and you put them in opposition to one another, you do not reach accord, you do not reach understanding, you do not reach agreement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you inject into that situation just a handful, two, three, four people that occupy a middle position, Mm -hmm. that act as intermediaries, like, okay, Mm -hmm. so, you know, almost like, you know, kind of couples therapy kind of Mm -hmm. idea, right? Mm Yeah, then what you have is people start to gravitate towards the middle the sort of mm. the oppositional def, uh, positions mm. the the all or nothing positions start to melt away with is too disney fantasy but do start to the rough edges start to be sort of sanded away a little mm. bit get a little bit more engagement well they might, might hear um, might hear something that they can't hear 
here mm, amongst yes. all the people who agree with you. Mm, so I like yes. that. I don't think it's very Disney. Um, I don't, I'm not sure what you mean by Disney. Oh but no, I, I meant about like the like. I was about to use and... the phrase. I was about to use the word melt away. Okay. <laughs> and and so, uh, the phrase melt away. It doesn't melt. There's nothing melts away. But it's you know that right. just sounds okay. sort of sounds like so like ah oh, it all melts away. But yeah. gotcha, gotcha. it's not like that. So. But but it is it does allow people to reach a kind of accord with one another. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. is right now you are attacked for trying to play that position. Yeah. Like I, I, right, I'll give you an example. I had start so you had brought up you know police shooting, which is obviously and mm-hmm. we're in a group that that believes and agrees with the his, that the historical legacy of racism continues to affect negatively impact the lives of quote-unquote black and quote-unquote white americans in the 21st century we are all in agreement around that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and so it's an easier conversation for us to have because you and i we trust one another Mm -hmm. so yeah I, i will say though that if you look at the data on police shootings unarmed police shootings the story's not quite as, forgive the pun, black and white as the media is portraying it. No, agreed. And, and, and so, but, but, but what is often borne out in the data is that the likelihood of negative police encounters is significantly higher oh, yeah. if yeah. you are a non-white male, non-white woman in this country. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that, that colors... You know, I mean, so wherever you fall, uh, you know, on that is absolutely going to color your impression of the police in general. Mm -hmm. You are not going to give people the benefit of the doubt. So, Steve and Seth, Mm -hmm. we can be sitting in New York and I could say something like, well, you know, look at the data and it shows this. I'm saying as a hypothetical and you go, oh, that's interesting. Maybe I'll look into that. If Mm -hmm. if you have if you have been on the on the oppressed or agitated side of the political spectrum vis-a-vis police like if you have been a black male in this country for the last 50 years Mm. Mm -hmm. and a police officer wants to say to you well actually it's not that simple you're gonna say fuck you i'm not i don't want to listen to you i don't trust you like you don't you don't trust you don't trust those official outlets you don't trust those i wouldn't blanket that i wouldn't blanket that because they're different kinds of black men Right. I oh, just so want to give you that. that. Okay. Fair, no, 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 no. I, yeah, I, I was using – that's my Ken Bone example. Like gotcha. I'm saying that this okay. is there, – there is a reason that there is more suspicion in the black community than the white community around policing. There's a reason yes, for that. Absolutely. So that's all I was saying. Mm-hmm. So – but right now, if you – if I was to try to inject – Nuance. If Seth was try, tried to inject nuance amongst a constituency that he did not know very well, if you were to try to inject nuance, you would be attacked as whatever the boogeyman is on the other side. Like mm-hmm. if I was to suggest that institutional racism is not taking the form that you think it's taking in police shootings and whatnot, I would I would be accused of not uh, not coming to terms with my own inherent racism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I was to suggest that, you know, universities should not be adjudicating sexual assault cases and that it should be left up to a court of law and should not be handled by, mm-hmm. you know, upperclassmen and professors, I would be accused of being ignorant to the blanket power of the patriarchy mm-hmm. in those institutions, in court systems. So you aren't even allowed you're not even a, there is a there isn't even a public space right now where you can say yeah but 
have we thought about this? Like you are literally, we have become a, our fundamentalism is on bright display right now in this country. Mm -hmm. Like you are, there is not a space for nuance. Yeah, but I want to say, but I want to say there's people that are getting attacked for being wishy-washy rather than non people are being attacked perceived as yes wishy-washy as as thank you but 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 hear me out so Mm -hmm. um the really good example is actually something we just published in hyperallergic but i need to actually Mm. um bring it up it was something and 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 i think it's uh, the artist's name is amy shore um Mm -hmm. who redid some new york times headlines she basically got the paper she's she's a subscriber and mm-hmm. uh, and looked at um, certain headlines and mm-hmm. with a sharpie just re revised them <laughs> so that they made more sense to her. And if I find this, I can um, I can I give feel you like concrete, I could do that. Con- con- concrete what? examples. What I'm sorry. What what gallery is she? At? I feel like I could do that. <laughs> That's funny. Mm-hmm. No, it's just like a personal project. It's not like it was on display uh, uh, in a okay. gallery. No, okay. no, no, no. Uh, although you know, it could be. I don't know. It's a photo essay by Mira Shore, M I R A S C H O R, and the mm-hmm. piece is uh, titled Mira Shore's Criti- Critical Annotations of the New York Times. And mm. there's several examples of her doing this. Well, um, one of the uh, images in the piece is uh, Shaw's intervention into a November 16, 2019 headline in the wake of Marie Jovanovic's hearing at the impeachment inquiry. And mm. the New York Times mm. headline reads, ex-envoy, quote-unquote, devastated as Trump vilified her. And in red mark, uh, in the red marker, uh, Shore has changed it to Trump intimidates witness in real time. Uh-huh. Uh, and then another one, um, she wrote something else, but that's not that important. Um, here's this, here's another headline. Trump wavers over financing for post office. She writes in Trump stooge dismantles post office as Americans die. Um, I'm laughing just because the, the Americans, oh. as Americans die, seems a little bit over the top. Office of denaturalization is established. Another headline. She said, she wrote in, you become a naturalized citizen, not a naturalized immigrant. New York Times, yes. don't echo the calumny. So these are the kind mm. of interventions that, that make, for me, it relatively apparent obviously apparent that the New York Times often or, or, or consistently couches the issues of the day in such a way as to essentially coddle certain sensibilities. That's mm-hmm. not, an, th- these are not, these are not adult headlines. These are not headlines that say, well, here's the deal. Here's what's happening. How do we respond to this in a, in, in, in a, in, a, in, a, in an effective, in an intellectually honest manner? Mm-hmm. I, I hear that. I think that's exactly right. The only thing that I would just, I'd want to piggyback on is that it happens in the other direction as well. Like mm-hmm. we, we have to be conscious of the fact right. the very simplifications and obfuscations that we resent on the political, from the political side that we do not agree with are the mm-hmm. same things that we are doing for the political side that we agree with. I agree with. And I, that, I agree. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I know. It's I believe. Clear. I mean, it's, I, clear. I, it's, yeah. it's, 
it's true. Like we are both, and I, you know, whether I would be on board with all of those changes, of course it happens in the other direction as well. Mm. It absolutely happens in the other direction. I mean, on, on the side that you brought up, I'm saying it happens there, but it also happens around, you know, particularly around COVID and, and stuff like that. So, mm. you know, I, we, you know, as Stephen pointed out, we, you know, we, we probably need to, to wrap up, but I, I do mm-hmm. think, you know, that, it has been a long running thread in criticism and intellectual history of the United States that there is a strong adolescent thread mm. in the country and honestly, even in the, the, the American project in itself mm. and that, that sort of that, that barely contained alchemy that makes us able to create the fiction that all men and women are created equal because we are clearly not all created equal. We come in various shapes, sizes, mm. physical and mental capacities. Mm. But but that is a powerful fiction that I believe in and I you know mm. that, that I would go to the mat for. But it can sometimes escape from the bottle and and it can it, it can cause real damage. The flubber can get out and mm. And I think that we are in that moment as a nation, like it's out of the bottle right now and it is not being channeled in a way that is productive or conducive to, to our flourishing as a people. So I, I want to ask this question just to like bring it, bring this part of the conversation to a close. So what would an adult response, a non-adolescent response to the pandemic be? What would that look like? What should we have done? Okay. Uh, That's a good question. I, I, yeah, it is It is a good question. I would say that there are a number of national responses that look pretty adult to me. Mm-hmm. Germany's response looks mm-hmm. pretty adult. Germany did not adopt wide-scale mask wearing. Mm-hmm. Germany did not embrace national lockdowns. Mm-hmm. Germany didn't even embrace lockdowns at the state level. Mm-hmm. Japan did not embrace lockdowns in the way that they are advocated for in New York, in Los Angeles, and mm. certain other places in the country. Sweden had a different approach than Germany or Japan, but their approach was also, you know, Turgnell... Herd immunity, essentially. Turgnell, who has mm. the orchest- orchestrated that response, has explicitly said that their, that their approach was not herd immunity. Herd immunity is something okay. that will arise right. over time, mm. but that their approach was mitigating the damage of the pandemic by learning to live with it because it's not going to go away. Like Mm -hmm. we're seven months in, it's not going to be gone in three months. It's like, it's not going to be gone in five months. It's going to take a couple of years for this to move its way through. And how are we supposed to live during that time? Okay, And that's the adolescent response you're talking about or that I definitely feel like because people go post pandemic post, you know, and I go, there's no post. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. we're just this gonna is have just going to be us. with us now. Mm. This is a new, this you know, people will die of COVID nineteen the way they died pneumonia mm. from now on. Mm. Like this is just not ever going to go away. Mm. People will die of COVID nineteen the way that they die from really bad flu cases from yeah. now on until you know until some other species rises up or something. Like this is yeah. this is here to stay. So what's the and adult response? Ter- so what's the adult response? Yeah. Okay. Well, th- those I gave two examples right. of what I think are our response. So, what are the target? Like, I don't know that we need a national uh, mask mandate. I don't know that we need a, a a national policy. I do think we need national guidelines that should be centered around, you know, disease targets and whatnot. I do mm-hmm. think 
educating people on how they can return to normal life is an adult response. Mm. I do oh, yeah, think yeah. Mm-hmm. I do think figuring out how to make the arts come back. Like, I don't want to fucking live in a complex society that doesn't have concerts Ooh. and music yeah. and mm-hmm. plays mm-hmm. and poetry readings. Mm-hmm. I don't fucking want to live there. Mm-hmm. I'd rather go live in a hut in the woods. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole mm-hmm. the whole point of a complex society and community of strangers is so that people can come together and spontaneous brilliance can erupt from that. That's not going to happen over Zoom. Mm-hmm. And so I... I, I like well, we're going to see me, what we love. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no. I'm just saying for me, I love those things and I am willing mm-hmm. to take chances to engage in those activities. Mm. A- well, you so- already did, by the way. You did before COVID. Do you know what I mean? Because anything yes, could have yeah. happened. Yes. So yes. that's what I want folks to kind of like take, overlay the the um, the slides and go, You this was happening already. The pandemic yeah. made us do these things or have us feel this way, but you were always risking something. Yes. So there was Absolutely. no safety. And I think that that's the problem I have, that folks don't understand that it. it was it's all a risk. <laughs> you mm. know, different variations of risk, yeah. obviously. Mm-hmm. But yeah. how to, again, mitigate it, but also come at it in a more um, warm way, you know, let, than less ter- terror, you know. Mm. Yeah. So that's yeah. it. I'm with you. I, I'd rather risk it um, because I've already been risking it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, you, so, so basically, y'all are saying, um, um, look at the countries, Japan, Germany, that have um, not instituted these sort of national mandates for mask wearing and so on. Look at how they've mm-hmm. sort of tried to get people to um, generally to 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 uh, adopt habits that are similar to the ways they used to live before the pandemic hit and have regular, uh, I guess, I guess, Stephen, you're saying something like... Um, in media coverage of this, we should be talking about how we're constantly in a state of risk anyway, and that, that though the risk is heightened, that it's not a risk that necessarily um, should cause panic. Something like that. I definitely would say that. And what I, what I think is, as you were saying, it, I was going, wow, that's college course. And we're talking to kindergartners here. Mm, risk? Yeah. What? Mm, and like, so <laughs> it may not penetrate this mm, idea of I've got a gun or I'm a man or I can walk where I want. You know, mm, it yeah. may not penetrate that kind of mm, adolescent sensibility around safety. You know, can, can I just to just to to give an EG of what I think, how ridiculous the response has been. If if you if the media and social media covered hamburgers and french fries and the damage from making hamburgers and french fries and soda a staple in your diet you Uh would save more people (laughs) from death than you would ever save from mask wearing Mm. and COVID 19 like Mm. that well like that's just a fact like that 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 is a that's a fact Mm -hmm. and so you can pick there are a number and and it's fine you like your hamburgers and fries and soda i don't i don't buy that's fine for you i don't care absolutely that's right and so it's you can pick anything and highlight the risk. Not anything. Many, many, many things. Yeah. Many mm. activities, as Stephen pointed out, that we have always engaged in. Mm. Driving. And I think, yeah, yeah, yeah that's. A, I mean, driving is a is a really <laughs> easy example. And so, our focus on one thing mm. and our shaming of the one thing that you either doing or not doing mm. is is an example of that adolescence and it doesn't have to be that way mm. i really i really feel like it is possible mm. to model another kind of behavior mm. for 
the country. Oh, I agree with mm. that. Mm. I mean, definitely an end of a new dress. Absolutely. Mm. <laughs> but what would that dress look like to people who feel that, um, okay, I'll reframe this. It can be done. It can be done in a number of ways. We all don't have to die. <laughs> and we can be better than we do. Each all other. Ha- we all do have to die. We have to die. Just not I mean, today. Every, everybody <laughs> needs to die or wants to die, right? I mean, not wants to die, but um, it's terror. This terror yeah. around um, death. I think it stops us from living. Seth, do you want to take it? Yeah, yeah. Seth, do you want to take us out? Because, I mean, you you don't have anything to, I mean. I, I, I don't think that I have anything really profound to add, except um, I want to make a segue um, to the sort of next topic, which is um, now that we've talked to national cultural adolescents, I'm looking forward to talking about how how that dovetails with um, the issue of of sort of misogyny and slut shaming. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think those things sort of are connected. And mm-hmm. it's, I think, talking about slut shaming is a real opportunity to delve into, like, that that part of our national id. Like, mm-hmm. um, the, part that's, the part that's, like, basically afraid of, of, mm-hmm. of, um, of <laughs> everything. Afraid of the dark, afraid of women, afraid of viruses, afraid of, of living, all yeah. of it. I mean, if you want to go, if you want to go deep with it, you know, Mary Beard recently wrote something um, in Mary uh, Beard. I don't think, yeah, Mary Beard. You know, the mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. the uh, classic scholar, mm-hmm. just about you know the the fear of female sexuality runs very very deep mm-hmm. in our history, very yeah. deep, like yeah. way down there in mm-hmm. you know the roots of Greek and uh, South Asian societies, so mm-hmm. East Asian as well. So I think we can probably have a, a pretty productive conversation around that. Seth had specifically, well, Stephen had brought it up also about talking about Monica Lewinsky. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. as an example of that. So I think I look forward to that conversation. Me yeah, too. Please Me send too. send around that Mary Baird article, please. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, okay. Yeah. Um, all right, my friends. Good it's been awesome. Later. Great conversation. Yeah. Thanks. Talk to you soon.